What is up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, Ontario. Uh, hello to our listeners on CFRC.ca, as well as those who have downloaded the podcast. You are listening to Today in Tech, a Canadian talk show that explores the latest trends in technology by interviewing industry professionals, local organizations, and passionate enthusiasts. We've got a great group with us today representing the QHacks 2018 executive team. Can you guys introduce yourselves and maybe tell us a little bit about your role at QHacks? Yeah, okay, sorry. So my name is Zach. I'm one of the co-chairs and along with Robert. Uh, the two of us headed up the team uh, working with, we had, I think, six different sub-teams uh, and trying to coordinate all the different uh, facets of the event. Um, and I guess I'll pass it off to Rob now. Yeah, hey. Um, so yeah, like Zach said, my name is Robert. Um, I guess I'm a third-year computer engineering student here at Queen's. Um, and yeah, I was one of the co-chairs for QX this year. Uh, Zach also, he didn't mention, he's a fourth-year computer engineering student here. So, hey. Good catch. All right, yeah, uh, I guess I'll go next. My name is uh, Chris Jones. I'm a third-year computer engineering student here at Queen's, and my role at QHAX was the partnerships director. So uh, I was facilitating all the 50-plus uh, partnerships we, we were able to get uh, for the event itself, and I was also working with a number of the other teams as well. Um, I'm Tina. I'm technically third-year computing, um, and I was one of the logs coordinators, so logistics. And we technically facilitated the um, scheduling and the logistical um, backside of the event. All right. Thanks for introducing, introducing yourself, guys. Um, I actually had a specific question for Chris right now. Um, you said there were 50 sponsors at this event. How many were there last year? And is 50 a lot for a hackathon? Yeah, so 50 <laughs> is definitely uh, pushing the upper limit for sponsors at a hackathon. Uh, if I'm not wrong, I believe last year we had around 20 to 25 sponsors total. So wow. we almost doubled the number of sponsors this year, which was incredible. But we obviously couldn't have done it with the uh, foundation that was set by last year's team. Right, absolutely. All right, that's very humble of you as well. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to the next question here. Um, what is a hackathon for those listeners that, that, that don't really know? And... Um, what would people get out of it? Yeah, so I guess I can take this one. Um, so yeah, Hackathon is a really odd name just because a lot of people uh, kind of <coughs> attribute it to be like you're hacking into systems and, you know, doing illegal stuff, but that's not... Stealing what, information from the government. Yeah, that's yeah. what my parents think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's actually quite funny because whenever there's hackathons in the U.S., like buses frequently uh, get stopped at border control because they're like, you're not coming to the U.S. to, to hack things. Um, but, yeah, so I guess what a hackathon really is, is it's, a, I guess, a, an event that hope it happens over a weekend or maybe some weekdays. It's a 36-hour event where a bunch of students come together to build uh, really cool things with software and hardware. Um, and throughout the event, we have lots of workshops. Um, so there's lots of opportunities for people to learn really cool things about new technology. Um, and then, like Chris was mentioning, all the partners come out. Um, great mentorship opportunities and also just really cool place to uh, find a job if you if you need one. Yeah, it's a key last point. <laughs> I'm still looking for one, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think definitely a, a an initial barrier when people talk about hackathons is technical ability mm -hmm. because you think, oh, if I'm going to something where I'm with a in a small team in a short amount of time like I better be on my A game and nobody wants someone on their team who doesn't know anything you know what I mean so what are some things that that you would tell people who might have that mindset 
Um, I think just looking at it from a perspective of people that I know, um, I, I knew some first year business students that actually came to QHacks this year. Um, and while they were a little bit more technically versed than most first year business students, um, I think they were still able to jump into teams and contribute. So um, I, I don't think technical ability is like really something that holds you back at hackathons. I think what it is, is it's more of a learning opportunity if you go to hackathons as somebody who doesn't have experience. Um, for me personally, whenever I went to my first hackathon, I really had never worked on any real project. Um, and it was my first time working in a group with other people on a, like a technical project. So it was like a software project. Um, and I found that those experiences at like my first hackathons were honestly my most rewarding. Yeah, I also think it's pretty uh, important to note that everyone at the hackathon is there to learn, whether it be a super technologically advanced person or somebody who knows nothing about tech at all. There's going to be people who are there to help you. We bring in like a ton of mentors who are constantly walking around trying to meet new people and just get people excited about tech. And everyone's there with the whole same kind of, uh, of vibe and the same kind of mission to learn. Yeah, it's funny you say mentors. Um, we, we had an issue on the Saturday night. Um, for the listeners listening, I'd, I actually had gone to QHacks as well. Um, and we had an issue with our project on Saturday night. And the uh, submissions were due Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And Zach here had actually uh, come through to, to our room to help us out at 3 a.m. after a couple drinks with the sponsors. Um, and he was able to whiteboard, you know, a lot of our architecture that we hadn't figured out yet. And he, he really came through to help us. So it wasn't only just the QHacks executives. There were a lot of sponsors that were there as well that are totally willing to lend a hand, which I thought was a really welcoming environment. Um, but yeah, moving on to the next question here, um, Zach, I know you, you mentioned it a little bit, but have any of you other guys gone to hackathons before or did you just jump into the exact team? Yeah, so this is a really funny one, actually. Um, so before joining the QX executive team, I had actually never been to a hackathon. Um, and Zach had been to lots of hackathons. <laughs> um, so I guess I brought like a different perspective there. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Zach hadn't been involved really too much with QX executive team or planning before. Um, he did win it in the first year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I guess like for me, this has been like a whole new uh, experience. Um, and I guess one thing I did do though is during the, the planning, because I did realize I probably should go to a hackathon before organizing one, um, was I went to Hack the North uh, this September. So that's, for those of you who don't know that, that's probably is the largest uh, hackathon in Canada. There are kind of like competitors. We'll be better than them one day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so when I was there, I worked with Zach uh, and Colin, um, Zach's housemate, um, on a project that was, I guess, Zach, do you want to talk about a little bit about it? It was like a blockchain implementation for a Yeah, I'd, lo yeah. I'd love to know selling. what you guys yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess our project was a, a little bit of a, like a far-fetched project, and we kind of just were like, all right, let, what's something cool that we can try and jump into? And honestly, I think one of the things that we kind of looked at were like, how can we win some prizes? Um, and I, I think I'd be lying if I said that most people didn't at least take a look at that whenever they were figuring out what they want to work on on hackathons. But uh, so essentially what we were trying to do was – make it so that you could buy tickets uh, through our like website and store the transactions on the blockchain. So not the actual like payments, but the actual like handoff of the tickets. So that way there's no real way to counterfeit tickets anymore. Um, so it was like, 
I'd say it was a technically challenging project for us to work on, which is a lot of fun. Um, but it was also something that we were able to build in like 36 hours, which is like also a really cool feeling that we actually like completed something. So you, so you had a demoable project? Yeah. By... yeah. Yeah, exactly. We, we were able to demo to, um, there were a couple of prizes for uh, anybody who worked on blockchain hacks over the course of the weekend. So we demoed to a couple of different companies there. Uh, we also used uh, CockroachDB, which is like one of the title sponsors, uh, or I guess, I don't know if they're title sponsors, but they're involved with Major League Hacking, um, which is like a parent organization for hackathons. And they were at Hack the North and they were supplying a prize for best use of their database. Okay, yeah. And just for the listeners that, that aren't really aware, um, when, when you, at the end of a hackathon, over the course of the, the weekend or the 24 hours or the 36 hours, um, the goal is to have a demoable project by the end of it. And from there, with all those sponsors that you have, so those 50 sponsors or et cetera, um, we take a handful of those as judges and those people essentially um, judge all the different demoable projects and the winners get um, prizes. And these aren't just small, you know, like coupons. These are these are um, very big financial prizes. So I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit about the kinds of prizes maybe that QHacks had this year. Yeah, for sure. So uh, we were fortunate enough to have a ton of different prize categories this year. Uh, we were we actually had five uh, just general overall winners and uh, they were able to select from a long list of pretty impressive prizes, including like Xboxes, Nintendo Switch, Apple AirPods, the list goes on. Wow. Um, but we also had uh, a number of API prizes, for example, the best use of Microsoft's API or the best use of Standard Lib's API. And uh, they were able to win really cool things like VR headsets and, uh, again, uh, some Nintendo Switches, as well as API credits and even a couple cash prizes like Amazon gift cards from uh, some of our sponsors. So it's definitely definitely worthwhile to put your time into a hack and uh, and demo it at the end in order to uh, <laughs> attempt to win one of the prizes. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the coolest things is that these hackathons are free. So yeah. it costs no money to register. Um, there is kind of a selection process, but I mean, you get the ability to potentially win one of these prizes by paying no money. And I mean, they feed you too. So it's, it's a fantastic <laughs> opportunity. You're learning, you're saving money, it's great. Um, but that being said, we'll move on to the next question here. And it's more about you guys and less about the hackathon. So um, how early in the year did you guys start having to plan for QHacks 2018? Yeah, I guess that, that it like falls to different times for each of us. And I think it might be cool to kind of get like a different perspective from each of us. But I know Robert and I, we both got hired in, I think it was about early March of last year, maybe late February. Don't know the exact date. But um, from there, we ended up like it was from day one, we had to start um, planning. And it kind of started with hiring our entire executive committee, which was 27 people total this year. Um, so we're really not dealing with a, a small team. But um, as soon as we like, we hired half the team in the spring and then whenever we came back to school in the fall, we hired the other half. Um, and I guess I can pass it off to everybody else to kind of give a little bit more about their roles in the planning. Yeah, okay, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start here. Uh, for me, I started actually right after I got hired in about May of last year, and it started off with me building the sponsorship package, which which took quite a while, surprisingly, because we still hadn't figured out a graphic designer yet. Um, <laughs> so we spent a couple weeks on that, and then right after that, Robert and I actually went out to COTC, which is the Canadian Undergraduate Technology Conference in Toronto, and there we were basically just uh, attempting to meet with potential sponsors, and uh, throughout the entire summer we were going 
going to uh, repeatedly going to tech meetups in Toronto just to meet people and sort of network our way into uh, getting some sponsors. And that continued all the way up until a couple weeks before the event. Yeah, and I guess the coordinators were all hired in um, September, so there's a more staggered approach with the hiring. Um, because I think most of the time, the partnerships and the sponsorship is what has to be secured early on. Yeah, and I guess like looking back at you know the amount of prep we had to do to make QX the success it was, um, I think the plan for this year is to get started like yesterday. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, the 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 amount of time we've put in prep like preparing for this event has taught us all so much about how we can improve in the future. Um, and we really just want to make it bigger and better every year. So if uh, we can get started as soon as possible, that's that's what we're going to try to do. That's awesome. So then, Zach and Robert, do you guys have a hand at all in next year's hackathon? Like, do you do you kind of pass the torch or like give a little bit of knowledge transfer? Or how does that work? Interesting question for sure. Um, I know for me, being a fourth year student, I'm not physically going to be at Queens next year. I mean, unless something goes wrong and I fail. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I like I personally I want to stay as involved as I can without being like an overbearing force. I think um, from what Robert and I have both talked about, it kind of seems like we want to step into more of an advisory role, and obviously, yeah, do some of that transfer of knowledge um, and make sure that the team is set up for the best success they can have next year. Because I think there were a ton of learnings that we were given from uh, the previous year's co-chairs. And same with what that's the exact same thing we want to do is we want to be able to pass on everything that we've learned this year um, and help set everybody up for success next year. Okay. Yeah, I guess uh, to answer that, I'm pretty burnt out, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like like Zach said, just the amount of work we put in is just crazy. To do it twice would be even more crazy. Um, So I guess, yeah, trying to help next year's team as much as possible is what we plan to do. Yeah, but, but, also, but not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> also passing it on to someone else and giving them the opportunity to learn the amount that we have is something that, that's really important as well. Right, and maybe just being a resource for, exactly, for them. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Also, I think like a lot of people forget that these types of large-scale events are often um, facilitated by adults that have full-time jobs to do these, and these are full-time students yeah. that are facilitating these events and relationships with partners. So like, it's a very large job for full-time students to be doing, so that's why it's so commend- commendable. Right. I, I think get- one of the cool things on that note is that like we were able to pull off what we consider to be a- an extremely successful hackathon this year. Um, without like the kind of support that Waterloo gets from like full-time employees because they have like a dedicated event planner, which is, I mean, obviously that's kind of a crazy thing to be able to say is that they have a dedicated event planner for a single event that's run on campus. Mm. Um, But it's also crazy that we were able to pull off what we were this year without having that kind of support. Yeah, and I guess for those listening who are interested in running their own hackathon, um, I don't think I have had such a profound appreciation for event organizers having gone through this 110 percent. so <laughs> that's crazy um so then a follow-up question going from execs to podcast host um without any attendees here what do you think is something that attendees take for granted uh, at a hackathon i i think from my perspective it's kind of what you were you were talking about earlier the fact that everything is free about these events so i mean i think obviously like it it it's awesome because you get so many people who are so appreciative of all of the the stuff that like the organizing team has to do to put these events on but then i think there are certain scenarios where you find that um people maybe just from our perspective take it a little too far and are like 
oh, maybe there wasn't enough food or there wasn't, uh, there weren't like cool enough prizes or whatever it might be. Um, and it, it's kind of tough to like swallow that pill after you've been planning this, this event for so long and putting it on for free, especially like this year we were able to, for the first time ever, um, bring in students with like travel reimbursements from like flights. So they were able to fly in, uh, or take trains in from cities that you wouldn't normally be able to come to Kingston to come to a hackathon. And then, I mean, obviously like, I don't think we, I personally didn't hear many of those complaints at Q hacks, but I, I have heard those at other hackathons and it's, it's after organizing it this year, it's, it's one of those where I can greatly appreciate that like I'm never going to complain again at a hackathon (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I guess to reword your question even um just like potential attendees as well one thing that killed me this year was that like (coughs) after the application deadline um had like happened we got like a ton of emails from people being like oh my god like I'm so furious why can't I apply like what happened like and it just like you know we left those applications up for a month and a half and people are just mad at us because they were too lazy to answer one question like our application was literally one question um, <laughs> and that that's just kind of what hurts me um and just like the rest of the team i think but yeah uh, i think just like from our perspective though there, there really wasn't much of that this year for us which is like really great to hear and i think you're regardless of what kind of event you're planning you're going to get those kind of things as feedback but i mean I, I think we were lucky this year to not have a ton of that happen to us yeah uh, Zach, I'm kind of curious about that point where you said people were flying in to ha- to Q-Hacks. Where, what are some examples of places where people were coming from? Well, we, we had applicants from over 100 different schools. And it was like by the time we accepted everyone, it was down to about 50 different schools. But we wow. had offered travel reimbursements to people all the way from schools like Stanford. Um, so in California, across like North America, which is pretty crazy <laughs> to think that people are even willing to apply, let alone that we're able to help them get to Kingston. Um, because I mean, I think if you look at it from a perspective of like looking at North America as a whole, you've probably got a lot of people that know about Waterloo, um, for as like a big part of the tech scene, but I don't think there are many people that look at Kingston and be like, yeah, like that's a place that I want to go and spend a weekend to do something cool in tech. So the fact that people were even interested in doing that this year was, I think it was pretty humbling (laughs) from our perspective. Yeah. And I think the farthest, uh, like person farthest away was Finland. Someone yeah. came across the pond. So they didn't actually come. <laughs> oh, but okay. we did offer them a few hundred dollars to come. Um, but obviously at that point, you know, it's a little bit harder for them. So, <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, yeah. but, but I do know of somebody who did pay for their own flight from California just to be able to attend. Yeah. And they actually had like a friend on the exec, uh, Corey. But, oh, yeah. Um, so they were they were willing to come all the way from California just for the event, which was <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah. And it just makes it like even more <laughs> scary for us before the event because like, well, let's hope uh, it's worth it for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's cool that they came because it, it kind of like spreads the word of mouth for next oh, year. Absolutely. And you're, you're building that foundation for every year. That's that's really cool. Um, one question I had uh, was, what is major league hacking and how does it affect hackathons? Yes. Oh, you go you for it. You can go. <laughs> okay, so yeah, major league hacking is, I guess, you can look at them as the facilitator of all of these hackathons um, that happen. So I think any most of the top tier hackathons that I've been to are part of Major League Hacking and have help from Major League Hacking in some sort of way. Um, so in our case this year, Major League Hacking supplied um, 
our entire hardware lab, I mean, we had some help from the school with things like power bars um, and more of the peripherals, but like the actual things, like if you wanted to use an Oculus Rift or a Raspberry Pi um, or like a, a Dragon Board, all those things were supplied by Major League Hacking, which is pretty phenomenal that they were able to do that for us. But we also had um, a special guest this year from Major League Hacking, which is just an absolute pleasure. Pleasure, um, Mike Swift, who's the CEO and co-founder of Major League Hacking, um, was the representative who came to our event. And uh, honestly, I, I, I know I speak for our entire team whenever I say he couldn't have been more helpful in helping us just like run like the show the, over the course of the weekend because there are things that you don't really know about hackathons until you've run a bunch of them. And the fact that he's seen, I mean, they run 250 plus hackathons a year across the entire globe. Um, and the fact that he was able to come and help us, like one of the major things was judging, like facilitating the entire judging process was so hectic and having him there to be able to help at least just give us a guiding hand um, was just phenomenal. Yeah, and I guess Chris can talk a little bit about this too, but uh, I think one of the big value adds that MLH gave us this year was um, it gave us a sense of legitimacy when we were trying to find partners. You know, like in the conversations with them, saying that we were an MLH event um, is just like so huge. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It definitely adds a certain layer of credibility when you're speaking with sponsors because uh, MLH is this like this massive organization and to have them recognize your hackathon and say, yeah, we're approving of this occurring, it really gives us a lot of credibility. Yeah, it's kind of like this stamp, like the gold stamp or whatever that, yeah. that gives you that. Yeah. I personally have been to a couple hackathons that aren't sponsored by uh, MLH, and you can definitely tell um, there's a difference <laughs> in standards. Um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, we'll move on with the questions, though. Um, Actually, I, one more thing I wanted to add with, with MLH. Um, Major League Hacking also does a point system um, for schools. So can you guys give a little bit of an explanation on that point system? If you guys are aware, if you aren't aware, it's, it's totally fine too. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the, the point system is based on like the number of students from each school that attend different hackathons. So um, if I go to like QHacks and I go to Waterloo for Hack the North, like Q ha or sorry, Queens is going to get points towards winning the like they have like seasons. So there's like the the fall season and then there's the spring season. Um, so right now we're in the spring season, and ha like essentially the whole idea there is that they want to encourage more students to go to hackathons. And if you have some sort of point system, um, it, they at least the idea is to make it so that you're more likely to say, hey, like let's try and get all of my friends to go out because we're like six points off of beating Waterloo and becoming like the school recognized for going to the most hackathons. So, um, I mean, I, I don't really know the, the details as to how the rankings go and what the points, how the points are actually allotted if it's one point per hackathon per person. Um, but it, it, it's definitely like a really cool concept, I think, to help entice more people to get out to hackathons and at least go see what they are. Yeah, they add a layer of like gamification to it. Exactly, cool. yeah. Exactly. I hope Queens wins this year. <laughs> do you do you, does the school get points for hosting a hackathon as well? Do you, are you aware of that or? To be honest, I'm not too familiar with the details, but I would hope so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I didn't even know that it existed. So. Yeah, I I was just about to say I met Chris at a hackathon and I've been to nine MLH hackathons this year and I did not know this point system existed <laughs> <laughs> and I've won every single one. So like I hope. Okay. Yeah. No. I hope. I think uh, Hack the North won last year. Um, and yeah. you get a bunch of cool stuff for winning it, but 
Yeah, like people who facilitate your hackathon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, I kind of want to bridge off of what Tina said there. Um, because you guys were the executives this year, you didn't get to build a project. Um, given the list of sponsors and the prizes, um, do you guys know what you would have built if you could have gone? Oh, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a pretty good idea. So one of my housemates, Colin, the same one that Robert mentioned before, made a pretty cool um, application with some of our friends in computer engineering here. Um, they called it Hang the DJ, which, so essentially the whole idea was that they use standard lib um, and um, preact. We actually had the uh, creator of preact at uh, the event this weekend. So um, for anybody who knows anything about front-end frameworks, um, preact is like a, a smaller, more performant version of react. But the whole idea was that they wanted to create um, like a queue for music that you could send um, like text messages to, and it would add songs to the queue. So if you were at a party, there were, there could be a bunch of you all in the same space texting this queue, and it would add songs to this queue so that you could like have some sort of democratized um, playlist for your event, which is kind of cool. So I think that would have been a ton of fun to work on. Um, that's I think that would have been what I would have been working on. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so I've always had this one idea that I've been wanting to do. Um, I'm not sure if it's good or bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one thing that always gets me is whenever I go to the grocery store, I never know what I would need. Um, it's like my like I never keep a like up to date grocery list just because I'm way too lazy. But um, one thing that would be really cool is to like, um, and also like I'm always like trying to keep receipts because like we split up how we do groceries in our house and stuff. Yeah. Um, and one thing I've wanted to do is like create some app that you like take a picture of the receipt um, it kind of like inventories your groceries for oh you oh my god that's exactly what I've wanted to build for yeah. a year and a half <laughs> and so like when you like use it or whatever you just check it off and then it kind of like self builds your grocery list next time you need to go so it's like just kind of like a, an easier way to do it and also at the same time scans your receipts for <sighs> for like yeah. sharing purposes and things like that so that was kind of like one of the ideas I have so many other ideas <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I really need to just start going to hackathons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Chris or Tina, do you guys have any ideas or no? Um, I I actually have no ideas, but I am a big fan of hardware hacks. And yeah. uh, hearing about the long list of things that was in the MLH hardware lab was super intriguing. So uh, if I were to attend, I hopefully would have signed something out from there and, and just figured it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And Tina, you've been to nine. Do you have any ideas left? Like, <laughs> do you run okay. through your list? Okay. <laughs> I, I thought you were supposed to be my teammate. Oh, Perhaps true, true. did too. True. You can't roast me yet. We'll talk, we we'll have talk. to win. Um, I would probably say the next idea I want to do is that um, I want to do an application where an iOS application that uses AR and VR um, to help um, have like real time instructions for blind people when they put up their phones so they're described of their surroundings because I've seen a lot of different APIs posted by like the Google Creative Lab, but no one's actually ventured into that um, territory. And it's al also really cool to do hacks that actually benefit people that are often marginalized by the tech community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, guys, we've got about uh, a minute left. So I just had one more question. Um, for people who are applying to the exec team for next year, what advice would you give them? Oh. Um, I think the, the biggest piece of advice that um, I would give to whoever, I guess this would be to anybody who actually gets on the exec team next year, um, make sure to lean on the people around you because I think that the biggest thing that I learned is that like running an event like this is it's really difficult without people around you that, can, that you can trust. Willing to skip class. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Awesome. Okay, uh, I want to thank you guys for coming in. This was super enjoyable. Um, for everyone listening, there are the QHacks um, co-chair applications out now. So you can look for posts on Facebook by Robert. Um, they're everywhere. You'll find them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you guys. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. Thank yeah, thanks. Cool. So that was CFRC 101.9 FM. Uh, our listeners on CFRC.ca. Uh, everyone listening to Today in Tech um, on Apple Podcasts. Um, this was Today in Tech. Cool. We'll see you next week. Bye now. Skip, skip,